You're listening to SAS Nordic, the sassiest podcast in the Nordics. Hi, I'm Daniel. And I'm Thomas. And we are experienced SaaS professionals that are curious about how other successful SaaS companies go to market, scale, build winning teams and great products. Join us on our journey as we speak to Nordic SaaS leaders trying to get hold of their secret sauce. And today's guest is Nilo Fredriksson at Effecta. Often it makes sense to bring a deal on a silver plate. Success creates success. All right, it's time for a new episode of the SaaS Nordic podcast. And today we're going to go east. We're going to go to our friends in Finland again. We had a vote a while ago at LinkedIn asking people who they wanted to see among the SaaS uh, companies from Finland. And today we are very happy to have Nilo Fredriksson, the CEO at Effecta, as a guest here today. Yet another cool uh, Finnish SaaS company. And today with Nilo, we're going to talk about uh, setting up a partner program, specifically uh, partner sales and what that means and the challenges and opportunities that comes with that. So really exciting and relevant topic. This is going to be a great discussion. Yeah. And if you want to see more and hear more from Nilo, you should join the SASIAS 2021 event. Uh, it's going to be the largest SAS event so far in the Nordics. It's a community and thought leadership event with 30 plus speakers and a lot of networking opportunities. So check that out and head over to sassiest.com. There is still early bird tickets available for yet another week. But now let's talk to Nilo. Let's do it. Today, we are very happy to have Nilo Fredriksson, the CEO at Effecte, as a guest here at the SAS Nordic Podcast. So welcome, Nilo. Thanks for having me. Great to have you here on the show. Uh, We've been uh, craving more Finnish uh, SaaS companies, and here we have yet another fantastic one. So how is everything with you today? Good. Things are good. You know, summer has hit Finland big time, both temperature-wise and otherwise. So, you know, things are slowly winding down. Yeah. Excellent. It's a good good thing you have uh, water and lakes all around you guys to cool down a little bit. Yeah, we do. We do. And and, and by the way, that reminds me, so... (laughs) Are you guys, by any means, sitting in a sauna right now? (laughs) Uh, I I can't say I am. I don't know about Thomas. (laughs) Uh, What did you say? Are you sitting in a sauna for the moment? Yeah, correct. You heard me right. Okay. (laughs) And and the background there is just that, you know, I I did listen to one of the previous podcasts. And I do remember you mentioned that you're going to have lots of Finnish companies in in the you know next episodes and you might do that from the sauna so just wanted to double check you know if that's <laughs> something that really happened Ooh, called out yeah that's amazing do you do a lot of business in the sauna as well or is that just in russia yeah i think that's a little bit you know something that happened in the past maybe not so much anymore but but it is true like we don't want to talk too much about saunas but we still want to talk about saunas it is true that it, it's still that every apartment or building complex has its own saunas a lot of businesses have their own saunas. Is that still true? Yeah, for the most part, yes. For the most part, yes. So, for example, our current office building does have a sauna. <laughs> See, there you go. There you go. And that's that's worth an episode of its own. But, Nilo, tell us a little bit about yourself. Who are you for the people that don't know you? Sure. So, uh, to start with, uh, I'm definitely a software and SaaS guy to the bone. Got early on into programming. Uh, founded a startup at the turn of the millennia. Did, did some experimenting with the SaaS model in the content management space. Uh, so sort of, you know, drifted more and more into 
commercial roles, uh, ended up spending 10 years with Microsoft. After that few years, gig in telco uh, at Comtel. We ended up selling Comtel to uh, Nokia. And uh, at the time, got asked to join the board of directors of, of Effect. And, and then a year later, uh, started in a more active role as the CEO. And that's what I've been doing now for the past couple of years. Okay, exciting. So tell us more about Effecta. What do you guys do? So Effect provides cloud-based uh, service management software. I mean, the original use case is something called ITSM, IT Service Management. So it's essentially uh, a tool uh, for IT departments to take care of support tickets and service requests, uh, IT asset management, etc. So you could almost think of it as a little bit like a you know ERP uh, for the IT uh, department. So that, that's how it it all originally started, and and you know ever since people have started to use the same service management platform. Mm-hmm organically for uh, a variety of use cases from, you know, running HR processes to facilities management processes and many more. Right, right. So who would you say today is is the ideal customer for you guys? Who would you go after? So we go after the mid-market. So uh, and, and as we define mid-market, it would be organizations with 500 to 10,000 employees. That's probably the sweet spot. Uh, we do have customers who are much larger, tens of thousands of employees, and we do have customers who are smaller. But um, if you look at the uh, kind of gravity, it's definitely in the mid-market. Right. But is there any particular vertical or is it just the size of the organization that defines it? It's more the size of the organization. So it is um, it is a horizontal solution in that sense. But we do have a couple of big verticals like, for example, um, healthcare. So can you tell us a little bit about the size of your operation, revenue, number of employees, and um, so? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so uh, last year, FFTS net sales were just short of uh, 15 million euros. We are a little bit over uh, 100 people. Um, SaaS represents uh, top line-wise about 60%. Of the top line, uh, there, there is a relatively heavy services component, consulting services, helping customers deploy and configure their FFT environments, which is you know thirty something, and and then the rest, um, less than ten percent, is um, our legacy business. Okay, so how many customers do you have? About three hundred. Okay, and um, are they spread all over the world, or are you focusing on certain markets? We're definitely focusing on Europe. Um, um, I mean, our headquarters is in Finland, and that's where we are from. We do have a, a team in Stockholm, serving the Swedish and Scandinavian market, and we do have a team also in Germany. Do you have a sauna at the Swedish office, or no? Actually, no. That's something we <laughs> we gotta take care of. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Absolutely, <laughs> you bet. <laughs> but they they do have a meatball station instead. I don't know. All right. So, what about f- uh, funding? Uh, are you Sort of, have you grown organically, or have you taken in a lot of investments during the years? So, so there's been a, a little bit of both during the years. So, um, effectively, a relatively old business over 20 years in the making. Uh, in the more recent history, uh, there, there's been one uh, one funding which uh, which occurred with the IPO. So, we listed effectively on the First North uh, Exchange. 
back in 2017, and uh, that's when we took in five million uh, euro for the international expansion. Very cool, very cool. And we're here today to talk about uh, a couple of different topics. One of them being the power of uh, channel sales. And I know that you guys have just started to explore with that a little bit. So that that's that's a topic that's relevant for for many of us. So I wanted to ask you. What is your definition of high level? What is channel sales? Well, uh, it's having a partner uh, channel, uh, partner companies uh, who transact for you. So specifically when we talk about channel partners, for me, the key element there is the transaction. There are, of course, other type of partners as well, like technology partners, etc. But uh, cha- channel sales is definitely having partners who resell uh, your software. Yeah, and I know that you have, even if it's quite new at Effecta, you have a long history of working with partners from your time at Microsoft. And I guess that there are also different kinds of partners. You, you mentioned some of them, but but when it comes to partners uh, that uh, you would like to work with now at Effecta, are, are there different kinds that that you are working with or will work with in the future? Yeah, Effecta, we have roughly three different types of partners. So, um we got technology partners, um, folks like, for example, Gioscor or Ultimate AI, um, who provide a piece of software which integrates into Effect and, and provides additional value on top of the Effect platform. Uh, so that's the first, first type of partners. Uh, the second type is what we call uh, resellers or, or value-added resellers, who essentially uh, resell Effect uh, to their customers and, and often help them in the deployment of it. And uh, a third uh, important category of, of partners is what we call service providers, who are uh, businesses who essentially run their services business uh, with Effecte. And, and the managed service they resell often contains an, an element of, for example, self-service and self-service interface provided by Effective. Okay. You mentioned before that roughly 40% of your revenue was from your own services. Was that correct? Uh, 30. Okay, 30. So uh, what is your strategy going forward? Will you, when you expand, will the partner community stand for a bigger part of the services going forward? Yeah, when you look at what's happened in the uh, recent years, the trend has been clear where uh, the relative share of SaaS revenue has all the time grown uh, on our PDL, and the uh, relative share of services has, has um, at the same time decreased. And uh, I do see uh, that uh, be a trend uh, where, where you know I, I see no reason for that to dramatically change. Uh, we are a software product business. We are a SaaS business. Mm-hmm. And, and that's our, our strategy is first and foremost to grow SaaS revenues. And doing consulting services is just to uh, help our customers and fulfill a need in the market. I, I, I think we would be uh, quite happy with much less services uh, if, if there were more effective partners. But at least for the time being, we do see services as an important part of our equation. Definitely, definitely. And um, I, I want to hone in a little bit on uh, the partner sales or the, the selling partners. Um, what made you decide that 
you guys are now running with partner sales versus just expanding direct sales? Yeah, that's a really good uh, good question. So let me maybe take a step back and, and just describe sort of what we are trying to achieve uh, at Effecte. So um, we operate in, in the ITSM market, which is dominated by large uh, global players. And uh, we, we do see Effecte as the European alternative to these global Goliaths. And um, <clears throat> obviously, you know, with having a, a team in Finland and, and team in Sweden and team in Germany, it's not quite enough to really kind of, you know, cover cover all all of Europe. And uh, well, we, we've been extremely happy with, with the progress that we've made um, in Germany and in Scandinavia through our direct teams. If, if we would follow that path of, you know, opening an effective office in every single European country, we, we would be old and tired, you know, <laughs> at the end of that path. So, so we were looking for a way, uh, to do that expansion uh, a little bit faster. So it's an element to multiply yourselves. Yeah. It's definitely an, and, uh, a way to expand our uh, geographical presence faster than we would be able to do with the direct model and, and, and probably also some of my background and, and you know, our COO Stefan Schumacher also has long background in, in various uh, channel heavy software businesses. So, so we thought that, hey, let's, let's give it a try and, and see what we can make out of it here at Effect. And, and we started last year really uh, investing and focusing on it. So it's a relatively new thing for us. And how has it been over the past 12 months? Well, we've taken some initial steps. So uh, first of all, we launched our partner program, just, you know, the basic infrastructure. We're defining the partner types, defining what kind of partners we want, um, setting up an organization, uh, a team, team at effect to uh, take care of, care of that and then then just uh, started recruiting uh, partners. And how do you go about that? How do you find the right partners for you that, that fits what you want to do? Well, uh, it's it's twofold. Um, so here at the effect, the, kind of the phase one was to look at all, all, all the companies we had uh, collaborate in one way or another throughout the years and, and just maybe bring some structure and clarity into that existing ecosystem and, and, and you know, formalize partner agreements and, and uh, agree on joint goals and, and clarify also the role of uh, Effecte because obviously, you know, we we want to invest in it long term and it's super important that we are able to provide predictability for the partners. I mean, if you're a partner and you start investing in something, you, you want predictability. You don't want, you know, the, the vendor to change strategy next year and say, that, well, you know, we go fully direct or whatever. So, so that was the first step, kind of clear, clean, clean, clean the existing house and establish some, uh, some clear <coughs> guidelines there. And then the second part was really just, uh, in a way, a sales operation finding leads and prospects and starting to talk to uh, various companies. Right. Right. I'm curious a little bit about this because um, I'm actually in the middle of this exercise my, myself with, with my employer where we're expanding on our uh, partner program. And um, 
I think we, we have an idea and uh, some of us have done it in, in the past as well. But from your perspective, and if you look back at Microsoft, where if I may call it the mother of partner programs, like what does it take to build a proper partner channel program? Well, I, I do like how you describe Microsoft partner program because I, I think um, not all uh, all people realize how partner-centric and kind of partner-driven Microsoft is. I, I, I mean, over 90% of the revenues, at least at the time when I was there, came one way or another through a partner or via a partner. Right. And um, your question kind of, what, what does it take? I, I, I think the short answer is it, it does take a lot of effort. Uh, actually, surprisingly much so, I mean, often I think sometimes people make the mistake of, of thinking that, hmm, you know, I don't want to put all the effort into whatever, expanding sales or, or, or so forth. So, you know, let's go through partners and it's going to be easier. But it's kind of the other way around in my experience that you, you do need to invest more into product, you know, the documentation and, and it needs to be pretty robust so that it works in a channel model. And, and and you do also need to invest in the go to market, in the training, in the uh, in the kind of early phases of getting it it going. And it needs to be long term. You can't do it like for one quarter and then you then you kind of change your mind. But uh, of course, at the end of that road, if you do that long term investment, if you put in the time and effort and money and everything, of course, the price can be nice uh, in terms of leverage. And, and acceleration and everything, but it's it's by no means a kind of free lunch. So when it comes to sales, do you normally work together with your partners or do they drive the sales themselves, so to speak? So there is a life cycle to it. So at least in my experience, uh, almost in any partner business, uh, when it comes to the first wins, the first, first deals, you know, the... Um, software vendor or SaaS vendor uh, does need to be quite close and, and almost like, you know, bring, often it ma makes sense to bring a deal on a silver plate. Of course, it doesn't happen like that every time in real life, but uh, in a way, optimally it does because um, success creates success. And, and when you look at the partner organization, I mean, they have different teams and people and, you know, uh, somebody... You know, VP tells their sales team that, hey, look, now we have this new partner product and the sales guys never heard of it. And kind of, you know, do they really put in the effort to go for it or just sell what they already know and know how to position, etc. So uh, in the beginning, there needs to be a lot of handholding to create the first wins, which then help create that momentum uh, in, inside that uh, partner organization. And I guess also another part, especially in the beginning of a partnership, is the onboarding. So have you already got these onboarding programs in place, or is that something that comes a bit afterwards? Or Yeah, we do. Uh, we do. Of course, you know, it's something that, that you refine all the time, and it's not like, you know, a huge volume uh, of partners, but we've so far um, uh, announced uh, outside Finland is, is one partner uh, in the Czech Republic, Solutia, another partner in Poland, Advatec, 
And uh, with both of them, uh, we've been going through the onboarding, and um, I feel quite quite good about it. But I I think uh, going forward, um, as we bring more partners through the process again, it will be a little bit better. So, no, no, business as usual there. SAS Nordic is growing, and now we're launching a unique peer-to-peer community on Slack. My name is Nina, I'm the SAS Nordic Community Manager, and I would like to invite you to join this exciting forum. This will be the place to network, collaborate, and share knowledge with other SAS professionals in the Nordics. The SAS Nordic community is free and open to everyone working in Nordic SAS companies. Come join us at sasnordic.com. We can't wait to have you on board. So um, I'm also curious, maybe, maybe uh, if we look at some of the tactical elements. So it sounds to me like you're saying uh, a partner program could be an element to to multiply ourselves, in, in your case, maybe geographically, to faster get access to, to some geographies. For, from my experience, uh, a partner track can also help to a certain extent, depending on the business, uh, in the businesses that I've represented, with credibility. If you work with partners that already have an established relationship on the market into your ICP, it helps to be associated. I think also it can help with uh, with the CAC. If you have the partner program, potentially it could lower your your cost of, of acquiring these customers. So when I think about these things and I listen to you, why is not everybody running a partner program? Like what? What are the, the the pitfalls? What are the cons with with a program like this? Yeah, I think it's it's because it's uh, relatively hard to get it to work. You know, it's it's sort of you know um, high high investment, high reward type of scenario. Maybe maybe high risk in the sense that you know it doesn't work out every time. Um, so I I think that's the that's the simple answer. Yeah. Yeah, and and I, I agree with that. And I think then there's also some potential risks down down the road. Some of them I, I've experienced myself, and um, I, I wanted to hear your take on this. One question that po- popped up in 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 my career, and from what I've heard from others, is how do you balance the potential risk of a competing effort where you have direct sales and you have your partners. And if you have partners and direct sales operating in the same market, there's always that risk of cannibalizing. How do I handle that? Yeah, sure. You're talking about channel conflict. Yes. Which, uh, you know, obviously is one of the potential pitfalls. Though uh, though the other way around, uh, I, I think when channel conflict happens, typically you have gotten something right. You know, when, when, when you have several people who want to sell your solution to the same customer. So, you know, it's it's not per se a bad situation. It's something you gotta be got to take care of. Uh, through establishing clear ground r- rules and and um, making sure it's you know fair uh, to all all parties, but uh, typically it happens only only after you know you have done something right. Right. So when that happens, then usually it's a good sign. You say unless it happens right away in the first deal. <laughs> so another thing that is more about the relation to the customer. So if you have a partner that is facing the customer, that is doing the implementation, maybe also is the one that has a lot of contact with the customer during the projects or, or during the lifetime of the customer. Uh, I guess there is also this as aspect of you as a software company being in touch with the customer, supporting them and so on. So is that something that, that you are facing that is changing now when you are doing this transition? 
That's an excellent point, and that's also one of the reasons why uh, we're not keen to stop doing services uh, altogether. Why I think that we we, we will have uh, a professional services operation of our own also in the future, even even if we manage to build the type of uh, partner ecosystem that we are now uh, now building. Uh, that customer intimacy and, and learning from real life cases that's super valuable also for the uh, product development process and and you know if you're in a way completely uh, isolated from the end customers um, and, and and never interacting with them directly there is a danger that you sort of lose a little bit of touch I mean it's it's possible, uh, you know, if you, if you just interact really, really well with the partners and they, they can help you, but it, it's definitely uh, a danger. And another aspect here is also to have the empathy with the partners, because if you're yourself doing projects and implementations, then you can also see on the product and, uh, and the documentation and everything in the same way that they have to do. Uh, so your service organization can also be a good advocate um, partner advocate when it comes to the um, the product team as well. You're right. It it does help us since uh, over some somebody needs to educate uh, the partners on how to configure effect and and our own professional services team. Uh, obviously, is in a great position to do that, and we are leveraging them in that that capacity. Yeah. Hey, Nilo, I want to ask you maybe a little bit of a political question, but if, if I imagine that I'm a customer and I'm going to deploy your solution, it's easy for me to think, why should I use, in this case, maybe a system integrator or a service partner when I can go directly to the guys that own the product and know everything about it? Well, I think uh, there are two distinct cases there. So um, first of all, I mean, we are really uh, at the effect of building like the pan-European alternative to the uh, global guys uh, in the ITSM space. So it means that uh, we, we we do address the whole European market. And as said, we have direct presence in three countries. So it's a lot of countries with no direct effective presence. <laughs> and uh, even even in today's world, even even in pandemic or post-pandemic, a lot of people do want to have a local uh, local consultant, somebody you know who speaks the same language. And in a way, for us as a European alternative, it's also a differentiator that that you know you can get services around effect in your own language. So I think that's that's kind of one one case. And the other case would be then in in these few countries where we do have a direct presence. And I, I think all of our partners have their own. Special strength, for example, some you know have specialized in the uh, in some industry solutions or verticals where where obviously you know they would have much more knowledge than us, and that would be a good reason for somebody to ask them and not us. Definitely. So I think it's about choice. It, it, I, I think it's just good for us when when there is choice on the market for for the customers. All right. So to round up this a little bit, so. Uh, with your experiences at Microsoft and what you're starting up here at Effecte, what would be your advice to companies that are thinking of starting a partner channel? Don't underestimate the effort that it takes. Um, at the same time, uh, at the same time, do do also plan for success. I mean, the lever in the best case can be immense. So I, I definitely warmly 
recommend for for anyone in in this type of businesses to look at the channel model and also also plan for the positive scenario because it it, it can in the best case truly explode right so just one last question on the topic here um is there a particular tipping point for a company something has happened with the product or with the business that says now you're ready to establish a partner program or there's no such magical formula it's an interesting interesting question i i, I do think it uh it depends um but i'll uh, i'll refer back to what i said earlier that kind of it's it's not enough if if your own team uh you know knowing all the history knowing all the you know details of the product are able to uh configure and and, and deploy it. it it typically does take take more i mean businesses who plan from from the get go do maybe have a, a little bit of an advantage when when you plan uh from the beginning for a partner model but it's it's possible also later but it it does take time and effort all right so you have mentioned it a few times being the european contender or underdog versus the big american sort of leaders in the market and i know that this is a topic that you explained to me when we talked uh, a bit uh, earlier that when you meet people in different uh, you know situations you often end up talking about this this is a, is a passion topic for you so so please share your thoughts with us yeah sure sure thanks for the past <laughs> <laughs> thanks for the past Thomas. so so yeah look uh you know one of the studies that i referred to when when we talked earlier was this uh, study uh, by holger schmidt from the darmstadt technical university uh, of the top 100 digital platforms of today and uh, the percentages are quite striking 67 percent are from the americas so you know you have your amazons and googles and microsofts etc mm. 28% are from asia so you know okay alibaba tiktok etc 2% from africa and 3% from europe wow and, and and to me that's just a shocking status quo so that that's where we are today mm. And uh, there is nothing wrong with the technology and innovation from East and West. I mean, as I said, I've been myself part of Microsoft and li lived in the U.S. And I, I, by all means, I hope those guys continue to innovate and push these things to market. And same goes for, for the Chinese colleagues. But what, what I'm really calling for is a little bit of balance. Because, because you know, think about it. I mean... Europe is three percent. Right. We do have the people and we do have the technology, so there shouldn't be any reason why why we couldn't play a little bit bigger role in in shaping uh, shaping the you know digital eras platforms. So what's stopping us? Well, uh, it's a couple of a couple of things. So you know, of course, uh, funding a, a, a general kind of um, skill set and mindset about commercializing the innovations and, and going big or going home type of approach, you know, right away aiming for the world domination and, and having the huge domestic market in the U.S. And, and in China. I mean, they both benefit from a huge uniform 
domestic market. Mm. So, you know, th- those are some of the reasons, but I, I don't think there is anything that, that really should stop us. Yeah, because I think generally, um, and especially maybe here in the Nordics, we do really good products. And uh, often our products are superior to other companies in the U.S., but they are way better when it comes to marketing and funding and all of that. And eventually they will take market shares and eventually they will build fantastic products as well down the road. Yeah. Yeah. And I think they just look at risk also in a different way. They're much more prone to take on a bigger risk. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Uh, but the good thing is that I, I, I do think there is light at the end of the tunnel. I mean, just look at the businesses you've interviewed on, on your podcast. And overall, by the way, I, I, I do want to acknowledge the work you guys do. I think it's fantastic. Oh, thank you. Much appreciated. I, I think it's it's really great what you guys have uh, put together in terms of SaaS. We're just trying to find some of those companies that will make that top 100 list here that you were just referring to. Yeah, exactly. I, I think it's a good... We only interview future top 100s. There you go. We only <laughs> interview those. <laughs> yeah, it's a great... A great mission, for sure. So I, I know also that there is a quite vivid uh, SaaS community within uh, within Finland and that you also are engaged there. So maybe you can tell us a little bit about your engagement in Finland. Yeah, absolutely. There are, there are a couple of good good initiatives going on. So, um, so I'm on the board of uh, Finnish Software and E-Business Association and, and we do have a program called SaaS Finland. Uh, you can check it out out online and I think it might be worthwhile another discussion between us to see you know what what could we do together yeah we we are looking into it as well and at effect we are trying to do our own uh, small part so uh, we are uh, we're running an annual event called digitalize and and automate happening in in September digitalize and automate 2021 where where we invite thought leaders and and European um, digital platform success stories like Vault and Relics, for example, to share their stories. So um, I, I think lo- lots of good things are happening in this space. Okay, exciting. And um, what does the future hold for you for you guys? You've already touched upon some of these things, but what's the future for Effecta? Yeah, I think the, the, the vision is quite clear and it's it's really just work. <laughs> so um, we, are, we are executing our, our plan, growing the business and, and uh, developing effect as the European alternative in cloud-based service management. Very cool. And what would help you on that journey? What are you looking for? Well, obviously competing against the best on the planet, you, you need the best people uh, to be able to thrive in that, that race. And, and we do have open, open roles, uh, both technical and, and other roles. So I, I think that's always top of mind for me, developing the the team forward any role that is particular on your wish list ah oh, geez you know I, I i i think it's so boring if i say something like full stack developer <laughs> because everybody's looking <laughs> looking for them but you know <laughs> boring but important there might be some full stack developers that you know just running to their computers right now so yeah please do ping me <laughs> all right and uh, also we we usually uh, ask uh, who would you like to see on the show Maybe there is someone here that uh, is a, a future uh, top 100 company that you would like us to interview. Ah, oh, yeah, I, I like how you wrap up uh, with this question. So who, who do I call out? I, I think Relics and their CEO Mikko uh, would be a fantastic guest for you guys if you can get hold of him. 
All right. Is he hard to get hold on? Well, it depends. Busy, busy guy. Obviously, I mean, they built a fantastic. They exactly. I mean, I'll, I'll throw the challenge out for you, but they built a fantastic business, uh, like a global leader in their own space out of out of Finland and Europe. And thank you, Neil. It was great having you here on the show, and we are very happy to also having you on Celsius 2021, the big event in mid September. Looking forward to that. Absolutely, and then we might uh, talk about another topic, or we will dive deeper into some of the things that we talked to now. So um, thank you, Nilo. Uh, continue enjoying the sauna and uh, see you around. Thanks, guys. Take care. Bye-bye. So Daniel, what's your takeaway from the episode? It was really nice to hear from Nilo again. Uh, and for me, it's, it's somebody that has done this multiple times to reconfirm what I've experienced as well, that the partner play is a long-term play and it takes time and effort to get that right. So you got to put the entire organization around it. It's nothing you run for a quarter or two. You got to see it through and it takes some time. But if you do it right, it's going to be really rewarding down the road. So um, that was that was keen to hear that it, it just takes lots of time to do. But done right, it's going to be really well for you. How about you, Thomas? One thing that Nilo mentioned that I think is interesting and, and good is that, uh, I mean, even if they are putting a lot of effort in getting this partner channel in place, they still want to keep some of their professional services in order to both be closer to the customer and the challenges that the customers have, but also see things from the partner side, the um, you know how it works to implement the product, documentation and other things. So I think it's important to not just let go of uh, everything, at least when you're working with a product that requires some more setup and installation configuration and that kind of thing. So um, yeah, interesting to hear. Definitely. And like Thomas, like you said here in the beginning, uh, if you want to continue this conversation with, with Nilo, he will be at Sassiest uh, later in September. He will be there speaking and he will also be available during some of the networking sessions. So make sure you join us there. Absolutely. And make sure you join us in the SAS Nordic Slack community. If you haven't already, you can sign up at sasnordic.com and also follow us on LinkedIn, of course. And uh, let's see you again in two weeks time. See you around. See you.